The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. The key thing, you know, about um, the pastor, the man of God that's bringing the word of God to us today is, is always smiling. In fact, if, if, you, if you are really, like, down, his, his laughter is contagious, and you, you just begin to laugh. But, but beyond that, you know, you never really know people until the day of your battle. You, you really know people until the day of your, of your battle, you know. Um, I fought a lot of some battles in ministry, you know. But Pastor Shaye has been so strong beside me and behind me, you know. And it's been such an encouragement. It's almost amazing, totally amazing, you know. And, and sometimes, you know, we go for meetings together and, you know, it's so calm and I'm agitated. Let's break these people's neck. And he's just calm and smiling and laughing, you know. Anyway, he passed us. <laughs> Mercy Place Assembly of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. Let's put our for the Lord Jesus. As we welcome Pastor Sheher Kusoko to bring the word of God to us this morning. Let's keep clapping, 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 let's keep clapping. Glory be to God. Pastor <laughs> uh, Ferry, what he didn't tell you was that it was the one that sent me out to ministry. <laughs> True. When we were being sent out to start Mercy Place Parish, it was Pastor Femi that prayed for those of us who were being sent out. And um, when he was praying, I had an impression that I should kneel down. You know, but all of us were standing, so he prayed and everything. And I was troubled, so I kept telling the Lord, ah, what is happening? Am I missing something? So I went to a quarter from City of David. As I entered the quarter, I just saw you, man, Pastor Dami. Ah, I said, God said. So I just knelt down in the quarter there. So yeah, lay hand on me. So he's the one that laid hand on me to be a pastor. <laughs> The pastor in parish. <laughs> so, is when we started, the, I didn't know how to be a pastor. I still, God is still helping me. So, every time it was the one I was, uh, it was my unofficial consultant. Uh, all the things, the manual, we started everything, actually, we took from him from TOD then. So, he's someone that's really played a very, very important role in my life as a pastor and somebody that I hold in high esteem. And I bring word from Mercy Place to say, well, we love you and um, it's really a blessing. As uh, they tell us, if you want to go to heaven and you want somebody to follow who is on that path, Pastor Femi is such a man. So it's my honor to be here today and to bring the word of God. Just give us some worship in the name of Jesus. I love the name of Jesus. Jesus Something's Brethren, the Bible tells us that there's no other name by which we are saved 
other than the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead. There's nothing that you want that is not available in Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. The resurrection and the life. The name that is above all names. Jesus. I want to just offer him worship. Just bless the name of Jesus. Worthy to be praised. Worthy to be glorified. Worthy to be magnified. No other name like the name of Jesus. He's a way maker. He makes a way where there is no way. He's the Lord our peace. He's the true and the faithful one. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The one that says fear not. The one that holds the keys of death and hell. The one that's got the victory over death, over hell, over sin, over the world. Worship him this morning. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word which the world was made. Bless him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for loving us so much that you'll be shown of the glory you had with the Father only in heaven. You will come on earth and you'll be like a man and you will die the shameful death of the cross that you may redeem and reconcile us back to the Father. What a sacrifice. What manner of love is this? We thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your name. As we go into your word this morning, we ask that you speak to our hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of our understanding. The grace to stand tall. Even as we have heard, Lord, give to us, even as we know that we will know what is proper. And you will lead us in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Praise the name of the Lord. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. This morning, I want to speak on something that as Pastor Femi said that you're going to stand in a series about standing tall just resonated with my mind. This morning I want to talk on propriety. Propriety. And our text is taken from Luke 17 verses 7 to 10. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he's come from the field go and sit down to meet and will not rather say unto him make ready wherewith I'll be sup 
and guard thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I throw not. Another verse says, I think not. So likewise, ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. The Lord bless the reading of his word. It's a very familiar story, and um, here we see Jesus telling us about the priority of life, and that propriety means giving priority to that which ought to be given Propriety. The dictionary defines propriety as behavior that is accepted as sociable or morally correct, the state or quality of being correct and proper. The state of being correct and proper. It defines proprieties as rules of correct social behavior, of appropriateness for the purpose or circumstances. In other words, something that is suitable and adequate for the circumstances. And so he talks about what is proper, acceptable in speech and in behavior. And so what is the relevance of this to what we want to talk about today? We see in this story, it's just saying, look, after you've done all that you can do, you're just doing what you're supposed to do. And therefore, you need to get yourself in order. Jesus is telling us that serving him must be the priority of our lives. And that we should not expect any special praise or reward for doing what we ought to do. In other words, the least we can do is to perform our duties and responsibilities as the servants of God. And so he says in verse 10, when you have done all of these things, that is a lot that people have given you accolade for, that you expect so much to be <laughs> praised for. Really, you're just doing what <laughs> you ought to be doing. And it's not out of turn, because if you will just take a moment to imagine what it cost God, and what it cost Jesus, and what it cost the Holy Spirit for Jesus to come as a man, to die on the cross, then you will know that there's nothing that we can offer or give him that can in any way be commensurate to his sacrifice. And so the question for you and I this morning is, what are you doing in the house of God? or for God that you feel that nobody is doing, or that you are not being recognized or appreciated for. I was so happy when I heard Pastor Feb talking about you having workers' appreciation uh, yesterday. It's good. But you see, in the midst of all of that, there are those who still feel they are not properly appreciated. They are not properly recognized. People don't appreciate them. And Jesus is saying, why don't you just... Respect yourself and <laughs> realize that you are nothing in this scheme of things. All you are doing is what you are supposed to do. So, what's the big deal? As your boss will say, 
In other words, any human being that says there's no one like him, or he's offering the kind of service that nobody else can offer, tell him that he doesn't know. Only God cannot be duplicated. <laughs> Only God cannot be replaced. Only Jesus is irreplaceable. So that brethren, as you and I are called to be of service in the house of God, it's really a privilege. It's an opportunity to be blessed. God sets you up for blessings when he requires of you service. And so we see Jesus here telling us that there's no big deal about what we are doing in the house of God that is not out of place. And so God is saying, what do you think you're doing that is not being recognized? But the summary of what Jesus is saying here is really is that God's claim over you and I comes first. Whatever the issues of our lives, whatever the priorities, whatever God's claim is, must be first. Secondly, you and I must serve God. We have no other purpose than to serve him. You and I must serve Christ. You and I must honor our obligations to God. And then, of course, the requirement for humility, which is verse 10. He says, after you have done all that, you ought to bring yourself back down to earth by letting yourself know that you are, after all said and done, but an unprofitable servant. You know what it means to have profit? It means that what you have brought in is more than what was, what you have produced is what was more than what was put into you. And when we look at what was put into us, <laughs> it took the blood of the Son of God. <laughs> Priceless. So what am I, what are you and I going to ever offer on the credit side that will wipe out the debit that God, you and I will always be in deficit to God. That is the need for Christ in our lives. So that if you're here, you think you are okay, everything is okay for you, you don't need Christ. What a tragedy. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. But I'm going to a place. So I want us to ask ourselves these questions. Why would a master cause a servant who has been plowing in the sun, working in the sun and everything, comes into the house and the master just says, just go in, go and get ready food for me. Wait, serve me and wait until I finish before you go and take care of yourself. Why would any master do that? The reason is that one of the most fundamental principles that God holds there is honor. Propriety is giving honor to whom honor is due. It is doing what is right and appropriate in any situation. So God says, I will honor those who honor me. And I will likely esteem those who do not honor me. Propriety means giving honor to whom honor is due. In any area, in any aspect of our lives. Remember in the Old Testament, whenever they were carrying the ark, the rules required that they must give some space between those that are carrying the ark and those that are coming behind. 
It was that most reverence and honor the presence of God. We know what happened to the man who failed to do that, who tried to steady the cart. God killed him. So we see that for Christ and for God, the question and the matter of honor is very, very dear to God. And so we see this question. And the question I ask myself, why did Jesus bring up this parable? He was talking about offenses and everything. Where did this one come from? Jesus was telling us because he had a reason to. See, today, if you and I were to look at this story in the light of the current practice in the church and what the church calls love, we'll say this is a wicked master. What kind of a master? Your servant has been working from morning in the sun. He comes in. You don't even say you should go and take water or you should go and freshen up. What you tell him is that go into the kitchen, prepare my food, and then wait and serve me until I am finished. Then you can take care of yourself. See, I love Proverbs a lot. There's a Yoruba proverb that says, Eri <laughs> You see, love is a deliberate action. It is an act of the will. It's a choice. We have reduced the love that God talks about to the affectations. And that's what the Enikonife means, that love is hard. It's the tough choices that you make. That is what love is. Anybody can be nice. Anybody can be nice. Niceness and just being courteous and all. The greeting, hugging, that's not love. Mm, it's good to have that. That's a relationship. But love is by the word of God. It is sacrificial. It is putting others first. Putting God first and putting others and being able to serve others. But that's not the cross of what I'm saying. What I wanted to bring out here was that if today you and I were to look at this scenario, we will say this master was wicked. But this master we know is the one that gave his life for us, Jesus. So why would he talk about this? Note the duties of the employee. Serve him. So be obey his master. Ephesians 6 5 tells us that. He's supposed to be faithful. Look at Colossians 3 22. Supposed to respect his master. Supposed to desire to please his master. Supposed to be patient. The issue is that this servant immediately this situation occurred. Jesus said, I think not. In other words, Jesus did not expect any Christian or any master for that matter to do otherwise than what he spoke here. In other words, he expects every one of us to understand propriety, to understand what is required for each situation. And that's why I'm excited about the series. I'm going to get all the tips on standing tall. The reason is that if you don't have an understanding of priority, you can never stand tall or stand at your height. You will always sell yourself short. So Jesus was saying here, brethren, you need to understand propriety. I believe this story was included by Jesus to teach us about propriety and recognizing boundaries in any relationship. 
beginning with our relationship with God. You see, boundaries are very important. God is a God that loves boundaries. If you look at the Proverbs, look at the Bible, you see many where they say you must respect boundaries. God always sets boundaries in everything long before you get there. So that when you get there, there will be no argument. Yoruba's will call it Ariyo There will be no argument. It's settled. You get there, you know what the issue is, you know what is required. And God is saying, by putting this in the scriptures, that as Christians, we must learn propriety and how to set boundaries. You see, the world always likes to redefine boundaries, to redefine priorities for us. We are the ones that must know what is right by the word of God and stand and assert them. That is my responsibility. That is your responsibility. So many of us today are failing in this area because we wrongly believe that liberty in Christianity is the license for bad behavior. The fact that Pastor Femi is free, loves you and everything doesn't mean that you mustn't respect boundaries. And that is the challenge, particularly for us Nigerians. We always take liberty for license. So when you have access, it is bounding upon you to respect boundaries. You are the one that must hold yourself in check. And that was why Jesus put this story there. That we have to learn to set boundaries as Christians in our relationship with ourselves, but most importantly, with our God. The truth is that bad behavior has no other description other than bad behavior. And there is no other name other than bad behavior. And so what is the relevance of this? So I'll take it first. In our relationship with God, Jesus is saying that no matter what the issues of your life are, no matter the circumstances, no matter what it is you are going through, your responsibility to God must come first, must take priority. That's why when they ask Jesus, which one is the most important one? He says, ah, first is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor. He says, on these two, everything else hangs. God must be priority in my life and your life. And God being priority in my life and your life, if we look at the story of this service, is that it doesn't matter whatever God requires of you and I, has to be done. Whether I'm tired, whether I'm weary, whether I'm not, if God calls, it must take priority. So that I must settle that in my mind. If our earthly masters will call and will jump, how much more the Lord, the maker of the heaven and the earth? God is saying we must learn to understand priority and to honor priority in life. In our relationships, whatever type of relationships, business, filial, in the family, personal, work, spiritual, they work best when everyone recognizes boundaries. We have issues in relationships when we don't define boundaries and therefore we encroach on boundaries. 
God is saying as Christians, in our relationship with other Christians, in our relationship with other people, particularly those who are not Christians, we have to learn to set boundaries. For too long, you keep bending and bending and bending. You don't want trouble. You are saying, no. Jesus says, I did not come for peace. I came to set everybody against you. In other words, when you and I know that this is correct by God, it doesn't matter what anybody says or what society says. We stand by that. That is defining boundaries. For those of the other faith, a lot of the things that you see people doing with Christians, do you think that they are doing with them? If you just mention the name anyhow, do you know what happens? Now, those are not exactly the right boundaries, but that's an example of certain boundaries. People will not breach those boundaries, but they will breach you and I as Christians. You and I will be in the office, say because we are Christians, we don't want anybody to say anything. No, 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 no. We need to draw the line. I'm a Christian. This is what I stand for. You take it or leave it. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are. Christ is saying we must learn to set boundaries. These boundaries must be set and they must be respected. Jesus was telling us that even though the servant had been working in the field, it would have been improper for him to come in and to expect that the master will serve him. That's why he said in verse 9, does that master thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? He said, I don't think so. It means Jesus expects us to be able to insist on propriety. Jesus expects us to set boundaries and to insist on those boundaries. That's why he said, I don't think so. I don't think that you will begin to thank him for doing what he was supposed to do. Jesus was saying that it would be improper for the servant to come from outside, go and sort himself out first. No, he said his first obligation must be to his master. And what is relevant for that to you and I is that my first obligation, your first obligation must first always be to Jesus. Before we take care of ourselves, before we take, we must take care of the needs of Jesus and the issues of the kingdom. From the way Jesus spoke, Jesus took this for granted that Christians must know this is to be done. But I find out that in life, in interaction and everything, that we don't seem to be doing so. Rather, we are bending over too much backwards and we are condoning bad behavior. God is saying, you have to stand tall, stand by what you believe in. And what is bad must be judged. See the problem, Romans 12 verse 2. It says, don't be conformed to the world, but be renewed, but changed by the renewing of your mind. So, so many of us are in Christ today. We are not renewing our mind. So, change cannot come. And once there's no change, inexorably, you conform to the world. So, we find ourselves blended with the world today. Because we don't understand the place of propriety. Because we don't understand the boundaries. And so, the difference between us and the world has been removed. No boundaries again. Jesus is saying we need to bring back those boundaries. And we need to begin to insist on those boundaries. The truth is, relationships bring privilege. A lot of us have privilege as a result of relationships. But we abuse. Abnormal use is abuse. 
we abuse this privilege from time to time. And what are the causes of abuse? And I'm rounding up now. You see, remember what I'm talking about is not just as Christians and the world, amongst ourselves and in our relationship with God. The reasons for abuse, first is not recognizing boundaries. Number one, when you don't recognize boundaries, inevitably, you will breach them. I call it lack of good grace. People lack good grace. That good grace to be able to acknowledge what is proper, to be able to be cautious, to be able to acknowledge and say, no, this is how it should be. Or where we are wrong, to be able to say, oh yes, I am sorry. It's a lack of good grace. And we do it with God. We try to justify the things that we're doing wrong with God. The reason is because of this, because of this, because of that. So, if you do not recognize boundaries, you will breach it. Number two, when we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. That case was brought out by Martha. You all know the story. Martha and Mary. Jesus came to their house. And Martha was encumbered with much work. And Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. And Martha went to Jesus and began to advise Jesus. Can you imagine? <laughs> Say, Jesus, don't you tell her to come and help me? And Jesus looks and says, oh, Martha, Martha, you are encumbered with much. What is so proper is what Mary is taking. And nobody can take it from me. But you see, because Jesus was always coming to the house, was a part of the household, Martha had forgotten that Jesus was Lord. And so she took it upon herself to be advising he that is wisdom. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. We must not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Number three, self-centeredness and selfishness. One of the biggest challenges we have in life as Christians is to overcome self. So what self does is it blinds you to propriety. It doesn't let you understand boundaries. What is pushing you, that selfish desire of self will push you to do things that you will not even ordinarily imagine you will do. It will push you beyond the borders of decency in relationship. We must fight to overcome self. Another reason is lack of contentment and loss. Lost for things. Love of the world. Loss of the eyes. Loss of the flesh. The love of the world. Lack of contentment. Says godliness with contentment is great gain. We have to learn contentment. When you lack contentment, you will enter into impropriety. It's a matter of time. You will abuse relationship, you will abuse privilege, you will abuse opportunity. Ambition, blind ambition. We all know the story, James and John. They procured their mother to go and lobby for them that they will be the ones at the right and the left hand side of Jesus. These were people that had been with Jesus, that Jesus loved, part of the inner circle. But ambition made them 
to go beyond propriety. They got their mother to go and lobby for them. Brethren, you and I, whether in the church, where we are working, whatever it is in relationships, let us not be driven by ambition. The next one is something that I just want to dwell upon. It's not knowing who we are. We don't know what the name of Jesus means. We don't know what being a child of God represents. We don't know the privileges that we have. We don't know our rights. We don't know our inheritance. Yet Isaiah 43 tells us that God is ready to give empires for us. God is ready to give empires and nations for us. People for our lives. Others as a ransom for us. Not because of us. He says because he has loved us. He has found us honorable. Therefore, that's who we are. Egypt was the number one civilization at that time. Jesus was saying, I gave Egypt for you. In other words, as you are here, God is ready to give the whole of it for you. Not about you, but because he has so named you. Giving you his name. The blood of the lamb has made you righteous. The blood of the lamb has appropriated you into his family. Therefore, everything that is his is yours. But when you don't know who you are, you don't know what you have, you will take less and you submit your life them. Impropriety will pass you by. The world will take advantage of you. But when you know who you are, you will know where to set the boundaries. And the story in Acts is very clear. They are taking hold of Paul and so on, and they are beating them and put them in prison. And then he came and he told them, he said, is it proper for you to beat Roman citizens without trial? He said, eh? And they started running around. They ran to the magistrate, and the magistrate trouble in the town. And now said, oh, we are going to release them. You know what Paul did? Paul said, no, 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 no. I insist on propriety. You disgraced us and beat us in front of the people. You yourselves must come and fetch us out of the prison. And that was what happened. Brethren, as Christians, it's time for us to become bold and to stand tall and to insist. But that will only come when you know who you are. When you know your right. When you know what belongs to you. It's not about asserting rights. It's about understanding that when there is a need to define the barrier, I define it. When there is a need to insist on propriety, I insist on it. You are not flaunting it. You are not vaunting it. You just know who you are. You know what are your rights. You know who you are. That God must help us to know in the name of Jesus. Lack of constraint. Too much familiarity. Also, abuse. In summary, in closing, I'm saying that we are the ones to recognize boundaries and hold ourselves back and constrain ourselves. There are so many of us because we're in church. We have access to so many people which ordinarily we will not have access to because we are all one in Christ. Christ expects that we will respect boundaries. We will not abuse the access that we gain by the relationships we build in church. That we give honor to whom honor is due and respect to those who deserve respect. That we don't come and say, oh, because we are all the same in church, we are all the same in Christ. No, no, no. God is no respecter of persons, true, but then there is order in the house of 
God expects you and I and holds you and I responsible to insist and to work by order. The truth is when we fail to respect propriety, when we fail to respect boundaries, we will be put in our place. And that is a place of dishonor. You will be dishonored when you abuse. When they have suffered you for some time, after some time, they will insist. And that is not the desire of God. Failure to be appropriate is pursuing lying vanities. So Joe, the book of Jonah tells us, they that pursue lying vanities will forsake their own mercies. Brethren, we have to learn to respect propriety. We must learn to respect propriety. We must learn to respect boundaries. And the issue is, in closing, how do we work correctly? How are we to work correctly? How do we make it that every time we are within boundaries, no other way except by the power of the Holy Spirit? As you and I yield to the Holy Spirit, as you and I recognize the need for the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and in your life, he begins to teach us. The Bible tells us that it's a spirit of wisdom. It's a spirit of understanding. It's a spirit of counsel. It's a spirit of might. It's a spirit of knowledge. It's a spirit of the fear of the Lord. As you and I yield, and you know the challenge itself, the more of self, little space for the Holy Spirit. But the more you and I yield to the Holy Spirit and love is leading in our lives, the more we'll find that here, situation in and out, moment by moment, we just are doing what is right by the Lord. We are being proper. And so, in closing, Jesus is saying, as a church, there is a call to propriety. There is a call to good behavior. There's a call to good grace. There's a call to understanding the privileges that we have as children of God. There's a call to respecting the priorities of God and making those priorities the priorities of our lives. So the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And every other thing that you and I are running after will be added unto us. Jesus was saying in this story, God must come first. Shall we bow our heads? I want you to talk to God. You talk to God for yourself. In what way, Lord, am I breaching protocol with you? In what way am I abusing my relationship with you? In what way am I not making you first? In my relationship with others, in what way, Lord, Am I breaching protocol? I know you are a God of order. In any way in which I am disorderly in my life, today, Lord, I ask for help. Precious Spirit of the living God, come. Come and help me. Teach me. Lead me. Give me that spirit of discernment to know when to insist on propriety, to know when to insist on boundaries. Lord, help me.
Lord, we give you praise and glory. And yet, you may be here. Your challenge is you are always jumping the gun. It's, I mean, you are always jumping. There's something that in you that is always pushing you. You can ask for help this morning. I, I believe that God will help you. And you ask for help this morning. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me, Lord. Greatness to our God, the rock. His love is perfect, and all His ways are joy. Let us describe greatness. Greatness to our God, the rock. His love is perfect. And all his ways and joy Oh, I'm God of faithfulness And thankfulness Without injustice Good and upright in circumstance cast out anyone that comes to you by Christ Jesus. Lord, as, as these ones have come to you, we ask that you receive them in the mighty name of Jesus. Let your cleansing power flow through their lives even now in Jesus' name. Help them to make their work for you and with you real and tangible. Lord, we pray for all of us, Lord. Help us not to jump the gun. Help us to behave properly with you, our God. With you, Holy Spirit of the living God. And in our relationships. We thank you for your son, Lord, that has blessed us today. With your word, we give you praise and glory, Lord. We ask that you breathe upon him, Lord. And take him higher still. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying.